What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, catechesis, discipleship, and I will then spend time with your questions. I will pray with them, study, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint. However, my disclaimer is this. I'm not perfect. Therefore, the advice that I give might not always be good for you. If that's the case, I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in holiness. However, if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer so that God can give you the graces you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you're a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions, comments, or critiques at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and you can share us on your social media pages. This helps other people to find out about the show. If the show is a gift for you, potentially it can become a gift for other people as well. And speaking of gifts, uh, my book, Pocket Guide to Adoration and Broken and Blessed, are both back in stock at AssistantPress.com, and you can get those books there. On today's show, we're going to talk about the rapture. What do Catholics believe about the rapture? And do, do I, Father Josh Johnson, do I believe in it? Um, we're also going to talk about how do we feel as priests after we hear confessions? Then we're going to discuss discouragement and working for the church. And the most controversial question on today's show is going to be about Black Panther and Captain America and who would win out of a fight between the two. But before we get into those awesome topics, I want to share with you some feedback. First feedback comes in from Donna. Donna says this, thank you so much for being here through all this COVID-19. I've attended mass more than ever in my life. Thank you for sharing God's word. Yeah, Donna, it's been a great gift for me to be able to celebrate the holy sacrifice of the mass, not only for my parishioners, but also um, for the whole world through Ascension Press's Facebook um, live masses. And so, yeah, it's just been a gift to be able to walk with y'all through the holy sacrifice of the mass. And the next feedback comes in from Linda. Linda says, recently I prayed a nine-day novena to St. Mother Teresa. Before I started, God sent me a message to clean my house. I thought he meant spiritually, but on the third day of my novena, while cleaning out a dresser, I found the medal of the Blessed Mother Teresa before she was a saint. I'd gotten it years ago when I was discerning the third order of the missionaries of charity. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. There's always more for us whenever we're discerning God's will and trying to interpret the messages we perceive from God in prayer. Okay, so let's just go ahead and uh, we have four four topics today. So let's just jump into today's show. Okay, first question comes in from Katie Ann. Katie Ann says this. How do I overcome feeling discouraged working for the church? I know that God is calling me to work for him, yet I get so discouraged due to cliques and power struggles that often occur with those at the administrative levels in my parish. And that's from Katie. So Katie, yeah, 
You know what? We just have to discern God's will by saying, is the Lord calling me to this? And if he is, then he would give me the grace to do my duty well, to share a gift of myself for the people in my parish community well. If he's calling me to work for the parish, otherwise he might be calling to be a lay disciple of Jesus Christ who ministers as a volunteer and is not on paid staff. However, if you do decide to abide together with very messy members of the body of Christ in the administrative level of the parish, then I would encourage you to lean into a closer relationship with St. John of the Cross. St. John of the Cross, as many of you know, is one of my favorite saints. He's a spiritual master. And St. John of the Cross, he abided in relationship with a community that, quite frankly, did not like him. They were very difficult to be around. They, um, they even at one point put him in prison like a makeshift prison for nine months. And it was through his time in that prison that he was able to grow in the interior life and present to the church his profound spiritual writings on the dark night of the soul. So St. John of the Cross, he said this to his friars that I think can be applied to your life. My spiritual mentor, Dr. Tom Neal, he took a quote from St. John of the Cross and he adds in, basically where you're at right now in this season of your life. So I'll read you the quote all the way through one time, and then I'll do what Dr. Tom Neal does, which is replace the word monastery with whatever your season of life is. So this is what St. John of the Cross said. And Katie, I would encourage you to engrave this truth on your heart. You have not come to the monastery for any other reason than to be worked and tried in virtue. You are like the stone that must be chiseled and fashioned before being set in the building Thus, you should understand that those who are in the monastery are craftsmen placed there by God to mortify you by working and chiseling at you. Some would chisel with words, telling you what you would rather not hear. Others by deed, doing against you what you would rather not endure. Others by their temperament, being in their person and in their actions, a bother and annoyance to you. And others by their thoughts neither steaming nor feeling love for you. You ought to suffer these mortifications and annoyances with inner patience, being silent for love of God and understanding that you did not enter the religious life for any other reason than for others to work you in this way. And so you become worthy of heaven. If this was not your reason for entering the religious state, you should not have done so, but should have remained in the world to seek your comfort, honor, reputation, and ease. So what Dr. Neal does is he would take that and he would say this to you. You have not come to the parish for any other reason than to be worked and tried in virtue. You are like a stone, Katie, that must be chiseled and fashioned before being set in the building. Thus, you should understand that those who are in the parish on the administrative level are craftsmen placed there by God to mortify you by working and chiseling at you. Sometimes they will chisel you with their words, telling you what you'd rather not hear. Other times by deeds, doing against you what you'd rather not endure. And other times by their temperament, being in their person and in their actions, a bother and annoyance to you, Katie. And other times by their thoughts, neither esteeming nor feeling love for you. But you, Katie, ought to offer and suffer these mortifications and annoyances with inner patience, being silent for love of God and understanding that you did not enter into the parish life. For any other reason than for your coworkers to work you in this way. And so you become worthy of heaven. If this was not your reason for entering into the parish office staff, you should have not done so, but should have remained out there in the world to seek comfort, honor, reputation, and ease. Ooh, man, St. John of the Cross don't play. So recognize that we are all in need of purification, 
and you have a gift that you can offer your potential coworkers in the parish, in the office, in the administrative levels, you have a gift that you can offer them by being used by God to purify them. But they also can be used by God to chisel at you and to help you become the saint that you're called to be if God indeed is calling you to work for that specific parish. That's your discernment. God, are you calling me to share my charisms with my parish as a paid staff person in this office? And if so, if you're calling me to work in this parish, if this is where you're sending me, Lord, and I know that the staff is really messy, then I must open my heart up to being purified of my vices through you in them. Christ, purify me in them. Teach me patience. Teach me kindness. You know, because that's, that's what we're called for. We're called for community. It's in the context of community that we grow. It's easy to go out and look for people that affirm us all the time and encourage us and are really great to get along with. But remember, Jesus Christ was crucified between two thieves. So he quite often sought out those who were difficult and still chose to love them. So I would just encourage you to to meditate with that John the Cross quote and then to discern, God, are you calling me here or somewhere else? If you are calling me here and I know this is the reality, I can certainly pray for them. But at the same time, I'm also going to be open to you using them to help to purify me. So hopefully, Katie, that was helpful. All right, next question comes in from Caesar. Caesar says, Father Josh, how do you feel after hearing confessions? Uh, great. All right, uh, next question. Oh, <laughs> no, but seriously, Caesar, I, I, I feel... Uh, gosh, I feel honored. I am grateful that God has invited me to participate in the sacramental ministry. I feel like a father. I feel like God the Father. Um, I feel like the father and the prodigal son, right, who is just rejoicing. Like Really, like my heart rejoices. Like No matter what kind of confession I hear, whether it's a first confession or it's a confession that for someone who's been away for 20 or 30 or 40 years or it's a confession of somebody who comes every week, Every time I hear confessions, I feel like God the Father just rejoicing, rejoicing that his beloved are coming back home. Uh, and yeah, it just feels great, to be honest with you. Even on like exhausting days, I just, I do, I love to, I love to witness the Lord restore his beloved, restore his bride, restore his children and love on him. It's such a great gift that I am in no way, I'm in no way deserving to participate in, but yet the Lord still has invited me to. So yeah, great question, Caesar. All right. Let's take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to jump into our final two questions about the rapture and, most importantly, about Black Panther and Captain America. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it, but what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at AskFatherJosh at ascensionpress.com. Comment, critique, questions, go there. Um, And also, you can rate us, review us, and share us on your social media pages. I'm sorry if my voice sounds like it's about to go out. We had mass today, 
with the congregation. Praise God. Talk about a glory. That's, now, that's a glory story. Glory story is I got to do Mass today with my congregation, and they're so beautiful. But, um, yeah, at one of the Masses, my mic system cut out, and I had to scream. Not scream, but, like, shout the Mass. And uh, my, my throat is is uh, is hurting because of that. So, anyways, that's why I sound like a little boy going through puberty right now. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Kelly, Kelly writes the next question. Father Josh, <laughs> do you believe in the rapture? Okay, so uh, I'm about to like throw you a curveball. Kelly, what if I said I do believe in the rapture? What if I, a Catholic priest, said I believe in the rapture? How would that make you feel? Well, when I say I believe in the rapture, that's partially true. I believe that the word rapture means to be raised up. That the word exists and that the word is found in the Latin Vulgate of the Bible, specifically in Paul's letter, first letter to the Thessalonians, uh, Rapiemor. This is what St. Paul says in First Thessalonians. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive who are left shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. So what do we believe about this passage I think is important. This passage is speaking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, right? That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about uh, what the Left Behind movies try to depict, where one day we're hanging out and then all of a sudden uh, you're gone and I'm, I'm left behind. And then eventually I have time to repent and then I get taken up too. No, this is speaking about the second coming whenever we will be gathered together with those who have already died in Christ to be forever with the Lord if we're still alive. At the, the second judgment, everyone who died, whether they're in the beatific vision or in hell, right now they're in heaven or hell with their souls. They don't have their bodies yet. And so the second judgment, those who have already died and gone to heaven or gone to hell, they will get their bodies back. That will be their second judgment. We who are still alive will then be judged for the first and second time, right? So it'll be our first judgment and our last judgment and our only judgment. Um, so we as Catholics don't generally use that term rapture, um, nor do we believe that the rapture, a rapture, will take place before the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is what a number of evangelicals believe. Why? Why do evangelicals believe this? Well, because John Nelson Darby, uh, he was a an ex Anglican priest who uh, was living in America in the 1800s. Uh, I think he died in 1882. And he's the founder of the Plymouth Brethren Movement. And he was also good friends with a Protestant mystic. Her name was Margaret MacDonald, not from McDonald's. No, oh gosh, y'all, funny story. So back, back in the day when I was at one of my other churches, a family who I'm very close friends with, um, they owned a McDonald's franchise. And one day I was talking about like Christmas. I was like, man, like, you know, like there's a big difference between like somebody bringing you McDonald's and somebody like, like giving you like a nice steak. Um, like if, if I expected a steak and got McDonald's, I'd be let down. But if I didn't expect McDonald's and got it, I'd be like, oh, that was so nice of you. Well, as I said that in my homily, front row, it was a family of parishioners who owned McDonald's. So my bad, y'all. I still love y'all, and y'all still love me, so it's all good. But anyways, Margaret McDonald is not that McDonald. She is a McDonald, though. And basically, she had a private revelation of an imminent secret rapture that was coming, uh, followed by a great tribulation. 
So here's the problem. Here's the problem. This ex-Anglican priest based an entire theology off of a mystic's writing without the approval of the church. Why? Because they didn't have the church, because they broke away from the Catholic church. So they weren't able to take her mystical insights and uh, submit them at the feet of the church that Jesus Christ founded. This is one of the dangers of, of our prayer sometimes, is we are not infallible. We are not infallible in our prayer. I said this on a previous episode. Even St. Catherine Labore, who is a canonized saint, she had received many visions. And at her canonization, Pope Benedict made it very clear that though she is a canonized saint, she had many theological errors in her writings and what she said happened in her visions. Just because this little girl, Margaret, who probably really was a holy girl, Margaret McDonald, just because she had a vision does not mean that vision was from Jesus. It could have been from the devil. It could have been from a fallen angel. It could have been a grace experience of God that she totally misinterpreted as she articulated it because she and you and I, we are not perfect and we are prone to get things wrong every now and then. So he took her mystical revelation that he believed to be true and made up a theology around it in the 1800s. This idea of the rapture was not around before this. It was not around in the early church. It wasn't around the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 11th, 12th, 13, 14, 15, 16th, 17th, or 18th century. So, anyways, it's just new. It's real, real new. Uh, so then what happens is they then would take this scripture from the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus said, um, As were in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One is taken and one is left. Two women grinding at the mill. One is taken and one is left. Watch therefore, for you do not know on the day when the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the householder had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have watched and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming of an hour you do not expect. So what happens is, is sometimes evangelicals misinterpret this passage and they think that, oh, well, true believers are going to be taken up and everybody else is going to be left behind. Um, but that's, that's not what Jesus Christ was talking about. He's talking about the second coming. He's talking about the final judgment and not some secret rapture. The context of Jesus Christ, his, this gospel of what he was talking about in this passage uh, was not about the secret rapture. Uh, it was about the end of the world. <laughs> um, remember, in the Old Testament, background time, uh, Noah, the days of Noah, right? Noah and his family, he took them, they went into an ark, right? People were wicked. People were in the world, they were wicked, and the wicked people in the world perished, and only eight people survived. Only eight people were left behind and were saved. That's Noah and his family. In the evangelical view, like the people who are, are taken up, the pe those are the people who are saved. But like in the, in the scripture, the people who are left behind were the ones who were saved. The people who died in the flood were like, they weren't saved. Noah and his family were, and they were left behind. So it's kind of funny. Like, it's like, no, nah, like I, I, would, I would rather be left behind. No, no, I mean, I don't want to be left behind. But like what I'm saying is, if you interpret the scripture according to like Jesus, what he's talking about is Noah. Right? In the days of Noah, people were marrying and they were given in marriage, just like today. 
people are marrying and giving in marriage. And sometimes just like them, people aren't thinking about the end times. They're not thinking about their final judgment. So too today, some people are not prepared for salvation. In the days of Noah, people were left behind. They weren't giving an opportunity to repent and reform their lives. They died. If you didn't get on the boat, you died. You died. They didn't, it wasn't like, all right, Noah and his family is going to get on a boat and then they're going to like float away and be safe. And everybody else, like, you're going to have this amount of time to repent before the waters come. Like, no, the waters came and washed them away. So what Jesus is doing is he's emphasizing um, that he's talking here about the final judgment and that some people are going to be wicked and they're going to go to hell and some people are going to be righteous and they're going to go to heaven. And they're going to be separated. That, that's what he's speaking about. So we have to like pay attention to the context of what Jesus was talking about. So yeah, that's why I believe in the word rapture, but not the theology of the rapture, if that makes sense. Hopefully it does. Finally, most important question of the day, of the show, of the history of this podcast. Who would win out of a fight between Captain America and Black Panther? Well, as many of you know, I... Uh, I'm being reassigned right now to the Diocese of Wakanda. And so clearly, Black Panther would win. And you might say, well, why, Father Josh? Because <laughs> he's Black Panther. That's why. All right, let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of this time that we've had together. We give you thanks and praise for the wonderful miracles that you are working in our lives. Even those that we cannot see, we trust that you are doing so much good for us beyond our wildest imagination. I ask that you not only bless my listeners as they continue to just walk toward eternity in their work and in their prayer, but also, Lord, that you bless them exponentially in their rest and in their sleep, that you send many saints and angels to minister to them as they sleep, to protect them as they rest, and to allow them to perceive your voice with clarity and to have humility to trust that they can submit their discernment to the feet of the church's wisdom so they can walk together with Holy Mother Church toward eternity as the saints of this generation. We ask this prayer, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Okay. All right, y'all. That's enough for today's show. My voice is about to go out, so I'm going to sip on some coffee and lay down. God bless. See you next week.